Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, big voiced announcer man. I'm Tony Richards. Welcome to Better Than Before, along with uh, Chief Producer Bill. Hello. Hey, before we get started, I just want to remind you, if you're a new listener, that you can subscribe to our show in various places. You know all the usual suspects. Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, we're on the C-Suite Radio Network. And I want to really thank you for being a subscriber to our podcast. We put out, or drops as the kids say, a new episode every single Tuesday. So welcome to the program. Uh, We've got some great things coming up for you uh, on the show today. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But Bill, I wanted to tell you about the story I heard recently. Oh, yeah? A new teacher was trying to make use of her college education. And she had taken a lot of psychology courses. And she started out the class by saying, everybody who thinks they're stupid, please stand up. Wow. After a few seconds, little Johnny stood up from his chair. And then the teacher said, oh, my goodness, do you think you're stupid, little Johnny? He said, no, ma'am, I just hated to see you standing there all by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) On the show today, we got Chris Burgess, the financial advisor to millennials, and we're going to talk about how the millennial generation needs to think and act in the financial realm of their lives, along with new generation Z, which is just coming out of college. So we're going to cover those two generational spans, and also we'll have an inspirational quote to send you off at the end of the program today. If you need a business advisor or coach, man, I'd love to talk about working with you. You can contact me. My email address is Tony at clearvisiondevelopment.com, or you can reach us at info, I-N-F-O at clearvisiondevelopment.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. We also have a brand new Facebook page that you can come over and join our Facebook community. Tony Richards, speaker, author, coach is now up on Facebook, and we already have almost 500 people in that community. So that that page is rapidly growing, and uh, I do a lot on that page. We post a lot of content. There are a lot of videos. There's lots of cool stuff that you can engage in, but it's just another way that you can reach me. And uh, I'd love to talk about coaching you if you're a CEO or an executive. Uh, I also do a lot of work with a lot of executive teams. And so if you feel like your team needs some work and what team doesn't, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about possibly uh, doing that. And like I said, we have Chris Burgess on the show today, and he's standing by on the line. We'll get to him in just a second. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. The 2019 Subaru Legacy. It comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus 34 miles per gallon. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for four years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. 
The 2019 Subaru Legacy. It's not just a sedan, it's a Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and my guest for today's show is Chris Burgess. He's the founder of Learn, Build, Convert, an online financial education company that focuses on teaching millennials and Generation Z how the game of money has changed in the 21st century. His background is in special effects for the entertainment industry, and during his time in Hollywood, he started studying finance and personal development and really fell in love with all things finance. These days, he spends his time teaching others the principles that have brought success in his own life, in addition to traveling, investing, and managing his own stock portfolio. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. You bet. Now, before we start talking finance, I, I'm just curious. Do you have any special effects work we would have seen? Um, Let's see. Probably not that you've seen. I did some behind-the-scenes technical work for uh, The Mill in Los Angeles. Okay. So they're a high-end commercial firm. And then also when I moved to Asia, I worked on some animations there, but probably nothing you've seen in the States. All right. Well... I was just curious. I uh, was reading in your intro there about the game of money. And you talk about how the game of money's changed in the 21st century. What do you mean by that? Well, what I like to try to explain to people is that the world has changed completely from when our parents and grandparents were growing up, right? So ever since the global financial crisis in 2008, the central banks all around the world have gone into overdrive, like creating literally trillions of dollars and keeping interest rates super low. So in some places, like interest rates are even below zero, which means that you have to pay to keep your money in the bank, which is totally insane. So the world has never seen anything like this before. And it's completely changed the way that the whole financial system works. But even though the entire world has changed, like through a combination of central bank policies and global interconnectedness that we have now via the internet, many of us are still trying to follow the same old outdated advice that we got growing up you know, the go to school, get a job, save money and invest in the stock market. So what I say is that we need a new plan that works in this new world in the information age that we live in now, because that old life plan isn't working anymore. Well, I think that was the advice they were given out in the stone age, you know, because <laughs> I think we all heard that, the, that mantra that you just rattled off there. Now, uh, specifically, you like to deal with millennials and Gen Z. So mm -hmm. how has, how, how are things different for those generational uh, groups? I think the thing that sets 
millennials especially apart is there's a definite feeling of disillusionment along among millennials where we kind of see that like we went to college and college is a lot more expensive for our generation than it was for our parents or grandparents so we're coming out with you know fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt and we're getting into jobs that either don't pay what they used to wages are stagnant or um i was listening to uh, Tony Robbins the other day who was saying that like 75% of the graduates that come out of college aren't even working in the field that they got a degree in and of the small percentage that are the 25% that are half of them hate their jobs mm. so I think there's there's a huge disconnect going on right now between millennials who are becoming really disillusioned with this life plan that we've been given and finding out that when we go out and try to implement it it's not really working out for us and I think the different the the difference between millennials and Gen Z is that Gen Z that's coming up right now and hasn't quite started going to college yet, they're seeing what's happening to millennials and they're kind of figuring out that like this is not a good idea. It's not something that they want to do. So Gen Z, I think, actually is gonna be really interesting to see what they do as a generation because I think they're they're realizing that what the millennials are doing is not really working. And so they're trying to figure out what is going to work in the way that the world works now. You know, one of the topics that producer Bill and I discuss almost on a daily basis is uh, investing. And so I'm really curious about your personal investing philosophy and how it's different from all these financial investing gurus that we've all been pretty familiar with. Sure. Well, some of it's definitely probably what you've heard before, right? Like uh, Robert Kiyosaki's advice of buy assets and be careful with your liabilities. Like that's never going to go out of style, right? Because it's the way to build real wealth. Um, I think where I diverge from some of the other popular advice right now is that I'm very against handing your money over to Wall Street. So I don't believe in index funds, for example, which are hugely popular right now. And I mostly advocate for people to take control of their money and their investments and not handing your financial destiny off to some Wall Street fund manager you've never met who has a massive conflict of interest. So instead, I focus on getting people to the point where they can control their own finances. You know, like it's it's really not as difficult as Wall Street wants to make you believe. They use all these fancy words and complicated terms to try to convince you that only they can do what they do. And so you should hand all your money over to them. But really anyone can learn to manage their own money if they're given the right financial education. And then I guess I'd say that another difference is that I'm also a huge advocate of alternative investment strategies, which, which kind of goes hand in hand with my philosophy there. So when you start taking your money into your own hands, you know, you can invest in some pretty interesting asset classes that you might not get exposed to if you're just pouring money into an index fund every month, right? So I think a great example of this is uh, song royalty. You can actually buy the rights to the income stream from a song or a collection of songs. And often those return like an average around 20% per year. It's pretty crazy. And you don't even have to be an accredited investor to buy song royalties. Anyone can do it. So that's another difference is that I really encourage going outside of the stock market to find investments. And a lot of times you can find these really interesting investments that provide a lot higher return with a much different risk profile, simply because they're way less competition when you're not trying to buy the same S&P index fund that everyone else is piling into. That is really interesting. Wow. You got my head 
kind of spinning and thinking, but, <laughs> but, but let's think about this for a second. So if, if I'm a millennial, which I'm not, but let's say that I am, and I know I need to invest some money because I, I'm, you know, for my retirement years later, or I just want to be a good steward of my money. And I've got $10,000, let's say, but I don't really know where to start or where to begin. What, what would I do there? So honestly, I think the best thing that you can invest in is yourself, as cheesy as it sounds. So the, the first thing I would do is to do some research because there's tons of different investment opportunities out there and some are going to be really exciting to you and some are not quite going to be your style. So you got to find out what's really interesting to you and then spend some money to educate yourself about you know the one that interests you the most. Um, find someone who's already doing exactly what you want to do and is teaching what they know and how they're doing it. And they'll teach you all the ins and outs and how to get started. So you can learn from their mistakes and find out what works and what doesn't work and really set yourself up for that success. And then I guess the next thing I recommend, and honestly, this is something that most people don't like to hear, but I strongly believe that you should focus on raising your income before you ever think about investing. There's a lot of people out there that sell what I think is bad advice and tell people that they can start investing with just $1,000 or whatever. And personally, I think that's incredibly dangerous. So I always tell people to focus on improving their income first. So learn a new skill, start a side business, um, flip some stuff on eBay, learn how to white label some products on Amazon, like that sort of thing. Start bringing in more cash every month. So the idea behind it is to create a lot of fuel every month that you can put into your investing fire because you know, we want to create like an investment bonfire. So that's going to need some serious firewood. You're not going to get there with just a little kindling every month. So investing with small numbers is just going to produce tiny returns. The numbers just don't work out and you'll end up getting killed with fees in most things. And when you're first starting out, you're probably going to lose money at the beginning anyways. But as you learn and study and get better, you'll improve. So first, you got to make sure that you have enough capital coming in every month to weather the storm of learning how to invest. Well, uh, in looking over some of your other material and, and preparing to, to visit with you today, I also noticed that you're not a big fan of 401k uh, retirement accounts. <laughs> so you're kind of contrarian on those. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, 401ks, IRAs, all that sort of thing. I think just generally as a rule of thumb, I'm not a fan of any account that limits my access to my own capital. Um, Another popular example these days is you hear about the private family banking or something along those lines, which is just a type of life insurance, but you can't access your money for a couple of years. So immediately like that turns me off to that idea. But um, so that's the same issue I have with the 401k is that it's all about giving money to Wall Street your entire life and then just hoping that it's there for you when you retire. And if you try to take your money out early and, you know, it's your own money, but you get slapped with early withdrawal penalties and there's a lot of issues with the 401k, like uh, your gains are being taxed at your personal income level instead of the capital gains level. Uh, the fact that it relies on you retiring poor with less income, whereas I want to retire rich with more income, not less. And there's mandatory distributions, which cause a sale of the assets, meaning the account dwindles by force. Um, you have very narrow limits on what you can invest your own money into and stuff like that. But basically, it all just comes down to control. I always want to maintain control over my assets and my money. So any type of account that doesn't let me do what I want to do with my money when I want doesn't really interest me that much. So 
Um, in this new game of money, one of the rules is to be flexible, to be fluid. So you have to be able to go where the opportunities are and you have to be ready to move at a moment's notice. And any account that imposes a very rigid structure that doesn't let me be flexible with how I move my money is just something that doesn't interest me. So is that the reason primarily you're not an index fund fan is because it's all kind of mixed in together? Yeah, an index fund is a really mediocre vehicle in my opinion because it's a vehicle that aims to track or mimic some benchmark index, right? So it's a fund that people can pool their money into and then the fund goes out and buys everything that comprises the benchmark index. So, you know, for example, if you're investing in an S&P 500 index fund, then the fund owns shares of every company in the S&P 500. So instead of you having to go out and buy shares in all 500 companies yourself, which would be very expensive, instead you can invest in the index fund and it owns shares in all 500 companies and then you participate in the performance of the index by mimicking exactly what the index fund. So basically... Index funds are just the laziest investment vehicle ever made. I think Wall Street is absolutely brilliant for creating this crap and then pushing it onto amateur investors who can't be bothered to manage their own portfolios. Because the average, the index fund manager basically just sits there and he collects checks all day because he's charging a management fee to do nothing because the fund just copies what the market does anyways. So you're paying a fund manager to just kick his boots up on a desk while the market does its thing. It's absolutely insane to me why anyone would invest in that. Like, how much financial intelligence does it take to do what the market was going to do anyways? Why would you need to pay someone else to do that? Like you can do that yourself and save the fees like a monkey can do that. So I don't know. The other problem I have with index too is that with index funds, like you're guaranteeing to give yourself an average return because you're buying an index. So you're getting an average of all of the stuff in the index, right? So if the index is comprised of X number of stocks, um, so let's say 500 for the S&P 500 index, so that means that there will be some sectors that outperform the market and others that underperform. And in each sector, there's also going to be stocks that outperform and underperform. But by buying the index as a whole, you've completely negated any potential outperformance. You drag down all your winners by also buying losers. Um, so, you know, there's this concept in portfolio management called alpha. And alpha is the return that investor receives over and above a given benchmark. So usually using the broad market or the S&P 500 as a benchmark. Mark. But an index fund can only ever return a zero alpha against the index it tracks because it mirrors the index. So you're shackling yourself to the index performance, taking on full market and systemic risk while you're at it, and you're guaranteeing yourself not to have a chance at superior returns or outperformance. And yeah, amateur investors always say something about diversification here. Um, and I think diversification is one of the most overused and misunderstood words in the amateur investor's vocabulary. Because diversification has been sold to retail investors by Wall Street as a panacea, as a cure-all to any bad thing that can happen in the markets. But it's nonsense. Like buying anything in an index and then thinking it's smart because you're diversified is not what professional traders do. It's not a true hedge, and it doesn't protect you from some serious risks. As Warren Buffett put it, diversification is a hedge against ignorance. It makes very little sense to those that know what they're doing. And don't get me wrong, like diversification has its place in a portfolio structure, but just buying one of everything, personally, I think is stupid, and it's not a substitute for hedging. Um, yeah, so anyways, you may have noticed I have a few grabs about index funds. <laughs> I think they're an incredible thing to sell, but a really dumb thing to buy. Yeah. You leave yourself open to massive market risks while also completely removing your opportunities for any outperformance, and you get to pay a management fee for the privilege of doing exactly what the market was going to do anyways. They're for people that have no financial education. It's just another way for Wall Street to vacuum up money out of your wallet. 
So you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about the uh, $10,000 and investing, you mentioned that you would advise a client to raise their total income uh, prior to investing. Is there a particular benchmark or a particular place where you do advocate going to investment then? Um, if I had to pick a number, I'd probably say somewhere around the $10,000 a month mark. So if you want to start, let's say a stock portfolio, for example, like if you're going to do what professional traders do, um, meaning like portfolio management, not like day trading, um, mm. you're going to need somewhere around $15,000 minimum to start. Um, and that's basically just so you don't take so you can have a big enough portfolio with enough positions that are diversified enough and are also not getting killed with all of the fees that you have to pay when you go through a brokerage. Right. And so one position doesn't kill you, right? Right. Exactly. So I think it, it just comes down to, uh, it's going to be different for everyone, but you know, if you're uh, let's say you have a job, you know, and you're making whatever, three or four grand every month. And after expenses and everything, you have $500 left over every month. Honestly, it's probably not the time to start investing. Like I would take that $500 every month and start learning skills that don't place a limit on your income that you can then, you know, scale and multiply and start bringing in a lot of money every month. So the thing I like to tell people is that like nothing's ever going to make higher returns than a business, right? So if you can start a side business or something like that, then that can start that cash coming in that will fuel your investing fire. So I guess if I had to put a number, I'd say wait till you're making around 10K a month before you start investing. Um, but it's going to be different for every person. So besides stocks and funds, are there any other investments that maybe our listeners should be thinking about or considering? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of really fun ones out there. Um, I think that you should just consider everything because there's a whole world of investable assets out there besides financial assets. Um, like personally, I'm a huge fan of real estate. Uh, I don't think there's any better bang for your buck than an investment property if it's done right. But besides real estate, I mean, there's things like private equity. Um, as a personal example, I did a private equity deal earlier this year that I expect to return 500% in three to four years. So that's north of 100% per year averaged out, right? And I look at that compared to the 7% average return I could make in the stock market, and I just laugh. <laughs> of course, there's the possibility that the company suddenly goes out of business or something, but you know, I trust the management team. I know the people involved in the business. I know their track record. And so it's a very tiny risk for me. And I look at that risk for a huge return, and then I look at the risk in the stock market, especially considering the meltdown that we had at the end of last year for a tiny return and I know which one I'd rather have. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a huge fan of royalty income. Like I talked about earlier, um, you can buy the rights to famous songs or new albums or what have you, and just collect cash flow every quarter. And, um, you know, like I said, the returns are usually around 15, 20% per year on most of the ones I've seen. Uh, of course, those carry a totally different risk profile, uh, but it's definitely an interesting alternative for people looking for cash flow, especially compared to the 3% dividend stocks that are probably in most people's portfolios. You and you and Kevin O'Leary, you guys like tack those royalties on there. <laughs> yeah, royalties are great. Royalties, licensing. Um, I, most people are probably not in a position to start selling licensing, but you know, if you get to a position where you have 
um, a brand that's recognizable. Selling licensing is pretty ludicrous. And even in the financial markets too, like there's some really great alternatives to just pouring your money into a fund. Um, one instrument that I personally love are options contracts. Um, you know, options are fairly sophisticated and you should definitely invest in some good education before getting into them, but it can be a great way to get leveraged upside while also limiting your downside. Um, I've got a few options plays in my portfolio right now, in fact, and it's always good to know that my risk is limited to a defined dollar amount. I can never lose more money than I paid for the option. Um, but you know, some of them have massive profit potential as well. So they can be a great tool if you have proper training so you don't blow up your portfolio. I really like the name of your company, Learn, Build, and Convert. Um, wh where did that come from? So Learn, Build, Convert is the, it's a basic outline of the three-step structure that I take my students through. Uh, so the, the three steps are learn a high-income skill, build a business around that skill, and then convert that business into passive income. And, you know, this isn't something that I just made up out of nowhere, right? Like, the, this is the way that wealth has been built for generations. The, the first thing anyone needs to do if they want to create massive wealth is to learn a high-income skill. And this means a skill that can make you 100 grand a year or more. So usually it's going to have to be something that's either infinitely scalable or, or in very high demand. Some examples of this could be something like copywriting, where you write sales letters and advertising emails for companies. So that's a skill that you can scale fairly infinitely. Because, you know, at first it's just you freelancing for some small companies. Then as you get better, you take on bigger clients, charge more, hire a team. You could grow into a marketing firm if you wanted to. But the idea is just to do something that isn't limited by your time, something that's infinitely scalable. And, you know, you don't have to be the next Elon Musk. Like it doesn't have to be anything earth shattering. Um, look at makeup channels on YouTube, for example. There's a couple of channel channels for uh, women's makeup that get millions and millions of subscribers. And what's the upper limit there? Well, in theory, like anyone with an internet connection could subscribe to your YouTube channel, right? So that's that's an example of something that's infinitely scalable. And then the next step is to take that skill and wrap a business around it. Um, and I know a lot of people get scared when I recommend starting a business because they've never started a business before. There's a lot to do and they're lost and scared. And like, it's okay. We've all been there, right? Um, the thing that I think a lot of people don't think about or maybe don't know is that most Americans used to be small business owners, right? Like that was the norm back in the day. But since the public education system got reformed by a handful of industrialists who wanted good, obedient workers for their factories, now everyone comes out of school thinking that they need to be good employees and work for someone else. And it's definitely easier to do that, but it's not a path to wealth. So it's pretty crucial to start a business. And, you know, it can be a side business, but one that has the potential to grow beyond what you could ever make it a job. And, you know, due to the Internet, this has become really, really easy. There's all kinds of uh, like home based businesses that you can start and just sell stuff online. And then once you've got the business up and generating income, that's when you want to move to the third step, which is converting that business income into passive income. Um, so we don't worry about investing until this step. Right. Like everyone wants to invest too early, like we were talking about earlier. But. Um, it's important to build up that income first. So invest in yourself, learn the skills that you need to grow your business to the point where it's throwing off significant cash every month. And like I said earlier, like nothing makes more money than a business. So the business is where we focus most of our time and energy. But eventually the idea is to take the cash that the business throws off and invest it into assets that pay you an income regularly. Um, and that could be investment property like uh, apartment buildings or storage units. Uh, could be dividend-paying stocks or REITs, which are a uh, paperweight to invest in real estate. 
um, song royalties like we talked about or something like uh, tax-free municipal bonds. There's tons of options there, right? But basically, we want to take the high-tax business income and convert it to passive income, which is the lowest taxed income of all. Then no matter what happens to the business, maybe you end up selling it to someone else or whatever, but you will always have those assets that you bought that are throwing off cash regularly to pay for your lifestyle. So that's a long-winded overview of the, the learn, build, convert system. So we were talking about uh, millennials earlier, and one common issue that I think millennials uh, face, and I think it's a real, real problem, is uh, student debt. So when you get to millennials or Gen Z in your programs, um, how do you deal with that particular issue? Yeah, so I'm actually putting together a presentation now about paying off student debt right now. And uh, one of the things that I talk about is figuring out if it's really worth paying off your student loans or not. Um, everyone's situation is different, but I realized for me personally that it wasn't worth it. So I graduated from a trade school with about $70,000 of student loan debt, but I was able to make a decent income with the skills that I learned and some skills that I picked up on my own outside of school, which really helped. But anyways, after I got out of school, I sat down and looked at the numbers and realized that financially it didn't make sense to pay my student loans. Um, well, let me clarify in case someone thinks that I mean to go delinquent and renege on your loans. I absolutely do not recommend that. Um, when you took these loans, you made a promise to pay them back and you have an obligation to keep your word. So when I talk about paying back my student loans, I mean prioritizing them. Um, one thing that a lot of people do is to put all of their extra money each month towards their student loans in order to pay them off as fast as possible. But for me, that didn't make financial sense, and here's why. The, the interest rate on my student loans are around 35 to 4%, let's say 4%. So essentially, I can consider that a 4% return on my money. So if I spent my money to pay off my student loans, I'd end up spending a total of 70K plus the 4% compounded over X number of years. But if I took that same money and instead of paying off my loans, I bought assets that paid me money, as long as I could make more than 4% on my money, I would end up with more money at the end. Plus, you know, I'd still own the assets that I bought. So those assets would pay my loan for me and, and I would grow richer. Now, I know not everyone can beat a 4% return. And if you don't have any financial education and you're just as likely to lose money as make it, then yeah, it's probably safer to just pay off your loans. So in that case, you'd want to pay off as much as possible every month so you don't get screwed on interest or at least less screwed. But for me, it made more sense to drag out my loan payments as long as possible. So the monthly payments were as low as possible and then focus on buying and building assets that could pay those for me. Now, of course, if you choose to go that route, uh, you can't just pay zero while you're buying assets. You have to pay something on your loans. So if you're going this route, then I recommend changing your payment plan to the lowest amount you can over the longest period. Yes, you will end up paying more in interest over the longer period, but the idea is that it doesn't matter because the money's not coming out of your paycheck. It's being paid for by the assets you acquired. So that's the, the path that I personally took, and it's one that I recommend, but it totally depends on each person's situation, you know? Sure. We're visiting with Chris Burgess. He is the uh, person who has the company Learn, Build, Convert, and uh, he is a financial advisor to millennials and Gen Z. And uh, just some fascinating stuff that he's been able to share with us. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you how people can get a hold of you here in just a minute. But first, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions I want to shoot to you that we ask every guest that comes on the show. 
Absolutely. So first question, what's the best memory that comes to mind for you? Not some pretty good ones. Um, traveling around Asia for a couple of years was definitely pretty amazing. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I would have had quite the same life if I had stayed in America. So getting to travel was definitely great. And I'd have to say probably the most memorable place I went to was Japan. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some pretty interesting stuff in Japan. If anyone gets a chance to go, I highly recommend it. Who's the number one hero in your life? Number one hero would probably have to be my dad. He's a, he's a really smart guy. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously I love him and everything. And he's, he's definitely been the one that's helped me a lot. Um, especially financially, uh, yeah, it'd have to be my dad. What's the top value you subscribe to? The top value that I subscribe to, I think I'd have to go with integrity. I think it's really important for people to keep their word. If you're, if you say you're going to do something, then do that thing. Um, I, I think I kind of touched on this earlier with the student loans. Like, you know, if you took out those loans, then you have an obligation to pay them back. Um, and just having integrity in every area of your life is very important. Who's the most important person in your life? I think I'd probably have to go with my best friend, Justin, right now. It's been pretty incredible. We've kind of grown together. We've known each other forever since like preschool, I think. Um, and turning into adults together has been really interesting. Um, and we've actually grown closer as we've gotten, uh, we both started getting into investing in business and that sort of thing. So it's been really great to have someone that I can share ideas with and talk to about this sort of stuff. So yeah, it'd probably be him. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? I'd have to say probably just spending quality time with people, whether that's, you know, friends, girlfriend, family, whatever it is. Um, it's probably the thing I enjoy doing the most. What's your favorite food? Ice cream. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Uh, Palawan, um, El Nido in the Philippines has the most gorgeous beaches I've ever been to. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Uh, freedom for me, it would be freedom. How do you want to be remembered? Hmm. Uh, I definitely want to be remembered as someone that made a difference in the world. I think one of my, one of my deep seated fears is passing away and no one knowing who I was, you know, five generations from now. So, um, I'm still deciding what it is I want to be known for, but I definitely don't want to be someone that just fades away in history. I want to be someone that people still know generations down the line. If you could talk to a younger Chris and give him some advice, what would that advice be? Oh man. Yeah. I've thought about this one before. I think the thing I would say to a younger me is just that you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And if I had started down that path earlier, I think I'd be in a much different place in my life. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of social pressure to do what everyone else expects you to do. And I think the more I have gone against that, the better my life has been. What's your favorite sound? Probably music. Um, I'm a big fan of guitar. I play electric guitar myself. So yeah, probably an electric guitar. Sounds pretty sweet. And lastly, what's the best lesson you've learned? Probably that if you want to make a big change in your life, 
the one of the best things you can do is to change your environment. Every time that I've changed my environment, I've gone leaps and bounds above where I was before. So that's probably been my best lesson. We've been visiting with Chris Burgess with Learn, Build, Convert, and uh, he provides financial advice and planning and investment uh, advice to millennials and Gen Z. Chris, if people want to find out more about you or contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, the best way would probably be to go to learnbuildconvert.com. Uh, we've got a newsletter that you can sign up for for any of the exciting stuff we have coming out soon. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash learnbuildconvert. Chris, listen, thanks a lot for doing this, okay? Thank you, Tony. I had a blast. All right. Chris Burgess, this is Tony Richards. I'll have more for you next on Better Than Before. The 2019 Subaru Legacy. It comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus 34 miles per gallon. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for four years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. The 2019 Subaru Legacy. It's not just a sedan. It's a Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot To Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Tony Richards along with producer Bill. What a great conversation with Chris Burgess. And I don't know about you, Bill, but I'm I'm excited to look up this royalty investing thing. I'm 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 going to check that out. I can see you over there writing it down and making notes. So we're going to check that out, and maybe we'll talk about that on a future episode. But he had some really really good tips. Uh, I like contrarians, and he definitely has different ideas than the standard norm on uh, personal investing and, and this, that, and the other. So um, Chris was uh, delightful, and I really enjoyed that he was on our show today. Hey, I want to remind you that uh, there's a star rating system on podcasts, and if you wouldn't mind, would you give us a five-star rating and review? We answer your questions from time to time on the show. If you'd like to submit a question that we could feature on a future better than before, send it to us via email at info at clearvisiondevelopment.com or you can tweet it to me at Tony Richards 4. I want to send you off this week with an inspirational quote. And you know, I talk a lot about growing pains. Uh, and that there is no growth without pain. And Charles Kingsley said something that was uh, highly relative to that particular topic. He said, pain is no evil unless it conquers us. Pain is no evil unless it conquers us. And so 
when you, especially when we're talking about emotional pain and growing pains, when you're learning to uh, learning new skills or learning to develop yourself, that means you're pushing back limits on yourself and you're expanding yourself, and that's a good thing. And uh, so we want to send you off with that great quote. That's our show today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. And you can join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event, which is going on right now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Thanks a lot for tuning in this week and being part of the show. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards. I love each and every one of you. And don't forget, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.